0: Wall Street is full of corruption, and it is baked in to every aspect of our society. MMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding at the macro level. In the 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This was written over 100 years ago. This is The Rogue Scholar with Steve Grumbay. All right, folks, it's Steve, and this is The Rogue Scholar. And I have my good friend Esha joining me today. And, and let me explain to you what the point of this whole conversation today is. Going
1: By to. the way, I love the intro music. I was like dancing Thank to it. You.
0: <laughs> what well, did this this talk with you asha to me is mm-hmm. super important because obviously we have an entire movement out there that kind of is going with a lot of current events and they're just sort of rolling with whatever is thrown at them in the media um and and so for me this this became a, a huge issue because what i see and and as i have come to being a lefty later in life okay I've seen the value of not only history, but beginning to learn and understand theory and beginning to understand the arc, what I call the arc of revolution and understanding you know, a little bit, I'm not like perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm really starting to get a handle on dialectical materialism. I know it's got some problems and so forth. It's not a complete picture, but it's a really good way of kind of analyzing systems and structures and and circumstances uh so that you have a a baseline for how to judge history and how to move forward and so i wanted to bring you on i guess to start with and i i have this nice little outline i'll just read you know start us off because i think this is important do you feel like history historical materialism and dialectical materialism are a necessary uh, entry point for leftists to really develop a full understanding of what it means to be a lefty.
1: I would go deeper than that. I would say it's necessary just to understand the world as it is. You can't understand the world as it is without both historical materialism and dialectical materialism.
0: what what, can you describe i guess tell us what exactly is historical materialism and dialectical materialism can you explain that
1: sure um but i can do one better um i will read from a better explanation uh give me just one second sure okay oops but basically, um, well, let me talk about uh, this is uh, one thing um, I call the opposite of historical materialism, historical Mordorism. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, so how? Okay. So we all know there was World War Two and Germany was the bad guy. So did the minute the red flag got planted on the Reichstag, did all the Nazis just go whoosh, like orcs? or like whatever happened to after the Ring of Fire, or what happened to them? Well, if you kind of remember that um, a lot of them didn't just vaporize, suddenly you have to look at, why did West Germany suddenly be, who who made up the leadership of West Germany? We have written an article, two articles in historically about this, and it starts feeling more and more uncomfortable like oh so west germany 77 of them were um former nazis and the guy who was in charge of nato for a while adolf hoisinger he so when you don't have historical materialism you can kind, kind of like you are going you can separate like things and start believing in historical mordorism, which then makes it that you don't understand the world and you may not be supporting the right causes or the right people. You might be involved in a lot of really just uh, unthinkable things. So that's the opposite of historical materialism. So let's start with dialectical materialism. Dialectic means um, in Greek like like I forgot what it meant in Greek, a Greek to discourse or to debate. Okay, um, and material. Okay, so I, I hate bringing up this word, but I know a lot of um lefties uh, who are online know this. Um, I don't want to bring this person up. I hate it. I hate it. Okay, let me just quick go for it. Okay, <laughs> did anyone see the debate between whoosh? Vosh and non compete last week. um No, <laughs> oh thank God. Okay, Vosh. Oh God. Okay, but basically what you saw was that Vosh was like just like thinking up hypotheticals in order to determine what was going on. That and these hypotheticals will never come to fruition. And that's what people like before, like Hume and all the classic um, Enlightenmentists or Enlightenment people liberals or whatever you want to call them. They thought that if you sat around, if you were intellectuals, and you just sat around, and uh, thought about ideas, suddenly, you'll know what to do. And Hegel wasn't and this kind of thing is called idealism. And Hegel was an idealist, but he thought of the idea of dialectics, when it comes to uh, like I guess debating what to do with society with your ide- bright ideas. Well, Marx and Engels took that, took the idea of dialectics, is where you put two opposite ideas together, and then see what the contradictions are, and in and, and then arrive at the and, and let the tr- arrive at the truth by having the contradictions fall out, like it kind of like the logic stuff but for materialism, materialism is material is things that you, they are not inside your head. They are things external to you. That's about the world that can be observed like this, whatever, my niece's circle toy or my lipstick. And so the idea is, so once you, you have to study them and understand them and then you can kind of see how societies or nature works. So one thing is that you have to remember that nature as in, we are part of nature, of course, and it's connected. And there's also nature is basically in a continuous state of change. Like for example, walls, like if there's like a little bit of a vibration on the street, uh, like every day, each single vibration won't make the wall collapse. But 20 years later, it can add up and cause it collapse. It, it can collapse. Sure. So these are like quantitative, like every time there's a little vibration, like these are quantitative changes. It may you the what you you won't be able to observe it, but many of these quantitative changes, it will eventually lead to a qualitative change, like something that you can observe. And then um, you have to also remember that contradictions happen. And a lot of this is how you solve contradiction. And so you have to start with objective reality. So for example, um, I can't be like, uh, for example, if I wanna run a marathon, I need to start with objective reality. I can only run about 5k. So I, that is the objective reality. It doesn't mean I can't run a marathon. It's just that I need to go through some training with the train, whatever. And it'll take some time in order to be able to run a marathon. And governments is like um, human civilization is. More or less just a system within nature that has been that has been constructed, and you can understand it through what happened in history. For example, humans were hunters and gatherers. But then what happened is that they noticed that if you kind of have your, I don't know, vegetables or your wheat close to you, less animals eat it. And then they learned about deep sowing, then they started doing agriculture. And with that, you got, with, that, with civilization, you then got a primitive economy where you had a division of labor as in somebody uh, plows and somebody else makes the plow. And so this division of labor allowed us to make more food and support more people and so forth. And, and you can you, you can actually study in each like phase, how the labor was divided and how it became more divided and more people were needed to do the tasks. We also need less labor overall since, like, I don't know, a thousand years ago, because a thousand years ago, a lot of us had to be in farming. Now, very few of us have to do do it because a lot of the farming tasks have been automated. So um, I guess that the way you study the world by looking at what exists, how it changed, what used to exist, how it changed, and the mechanism in which the thing changed is a lot of dialectical materialism.
0: So, so what you're saying to me basically is that you watch the arc of change, you see all the things that came into it, you establish that these things had to happen for this to go from this stage, Mm -hmm. to this stage, and and all that kind of goes into your analysis of what is and what was and so forth. Is, Is that a fair statement?
1: Yeah, like, I don't believe in magic. So if for example, you have I don't know, uh, like, anything. Yeah, yeah. if, if for example, you have uh, you have this kind of wheat crop, but then there is this kind of wheat crop, it didn't magically pop up, we have to figure out oh was this corporation genetically engineering this what is this wheat crop Monsanto, <laughs> so <on>.
0: huh? Exactly.
1: <laughs> so a lot of uh, and in the west they want to make it seem like just things happen because well you're not gonna like the mechanism in which they happen uh i i love how um World War Two, well, sorry, not two. World War One is like, they just tell you something about the Zimmerman telegram and then boom, there was a war. And you're like, eh, No, 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 it's like some archduke got assassinated in magic war. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was not it. Lenin explains the reason behind World War One in one sentence. It is a war between the robbers of Germany and the robbers of Britain. And the winner gets to decide who gets to rob Turkey of their oil. (laughs) and that's still everywhere yeah um so so that is why they so a lot of people in the west are extremely bad at having a dialectical understanding of the world
0: (laughs) so i you know they i we oftentimes hear about contradictions and they talk about when the contradictions get so great that revolution becomes necessary or they talk about contradictions in general are the thing that brings about change, whether it always amounts to a revolution or not. That's another story, but it always amounts to change when the contradictions, well, can you talk about what that means? Hel- help me understand. Is that is that like the American dream? We're all going to do great. And then all of a sudden you realize, no, no one's doing great or very few are doing great or whatever. And it's like the contradictions of that lie become so great that we finally make changes because we can't stand the lie anymore. Is that kind of a way of looking at
1: that? Let's actually go much more basic than that. So, okay. you, so if you've taken logic 101, you get like P and not P will always be false because you P can't be both true and false, right? Mm-hmm. P and not P. So like, let's say P is the sky is blue and not be is the sky is not blue the sky cannot be both blue and not blue at the same time so that in the most basic sense is a contradiction with, i.e. two things that cannot be true uh, uh, at the same time but with when okay so now uh, think of this as a process so it's it's not going to be like an on switch and an off switch or it'll be like uh when there's a so in society we're not like a on switch off switch that can go like that so there has to be a transformation so the one the, the one example of contradiction of capitalism that marx talks about is that well if you have a factory um and you pay your workers 50 50 cents may not be a lot but if you have Ten thousand workers and fifty cents from each. Is you're pocketing five thousand dollars every week by uh, by lowballing your workers. Mm-hmm. So then, what will happen is that under capitalism, the bosses will always whatever the owners of the machine thing machineries will always want to kind of squeeze, uh, have lowball the workers. Uh, but then if you lowball the workers, who's going to buy the crap you make? And that's a contradiction is that the population gets getting poorer and poorer. And um, and and then there is a time where there is like you can't lowball them anymore because they're not going to come to work. And so that's like a contradiction. And that has been in the historically that has been resolved in many different ways. The worst way in my opinion is the germany 1930s model yeah one of the best ways is d- d- definitely the russia 1917 or the cuba model which did not involve whatever so um so that's <laughs> what it is like so th- for example it, so then you'll have oh for example you'll have more uh, as capitalism goes on, they'll say that everyone can have a decent life, but then you'll have more and more people becoming poorer, poorer. That's called proletarization. And so again, you can't have there's a time. So I, I guess it is a process where just those two things cannot be true, at the same time, and uh, so human society somehow will go through a process of change
0: so you you have been very very good you're 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 the only person i know honestly and i see i mean i see a lot of people doing various things in the space but you're the only person i know and this is why i love you so much you're the only person i know that literally snags people up out of nowhere and teaches them lennon at night you're out there Mm -hmm. having them they talk you talk about an issue they kind of give you their idea of what they think is going on and then you select a reading for them that matches where they need to be or what they're thinking about and helping them go from a basically non-theoretical perspective to a theoretical perspective and in this space i have found my opportunity to be on with you is one of the high points of my time learning lefty stuff it really is it's it's become really important to me because it shows that you can do the reading. You can learn a lot of things, and as you start to see the world differently, you can have a different impact on the world. And so, what you're doing to me is is really super important. For for those of you who don't know, Asha runs a late night show called Late Nights with Lenin, and she'll invite a guest on. And she anyone will can be a guest. And
1: them. my dream is your maga hat wearing, awkward uncle, and turning him into a Leninist. <laughs>
0: it's It's so amazing. and and so i guess I guess the question I would like to propose to you next, and and we t- kind of talked about this in our agenda here, is what role does once once they learn what Lenin would do, once they hear about this stuff, you know, what role do you think having a theoretical framework provides in terms of looking forward? I mean, we're looking backwards on one hand. For the history here for understanding the theory but then as we look forward what role do you think theory plays for leftists for regular leftists jane like you said even the maga hat wear an uncle what what role does this have in us really really changing society The way we'd like to see it to to having that really really massive change in terms of the balance of capital and labor and and life moving forward How, how does that play into organizing for the future
1: um well the first thing is like i said you can't solve what you don't understand so, if you can't see the world as it is, you can't solve any problem because you're solving—I don't know what you're doing. Um, uh, that's like the first thing. The second thing is um, uh, okay. So, uh, some so. Uh, Antonio Gramsci wrestled with this idea for a long time. He was in the Italian fascist prison for like God God knows how long. And he wrote these things called prison diaries. And for him, it bothered him a lot because it was like, wait a minute, there are all these people who are very struggling. For him, what bothered him is like, there was a group of Italian peasantry that like Mussolini could just like bribe. And then they were shooting at the workers and he, he couldn't like understand what was going on. And then, he determined that, so in our society, there are things that are directly involved with making things or modes of production. Production production is making things. <laughs> okay. Somebody tried to like own me on uh, Twitter with this and literally Karl Marx kind of said something similar to like production is making stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then you have Why do you have a priest? Why do you have churches? They don't make crap. Why do you have schools? Why do you have universities? Newspapers, a lot of those, they don't make crap, but you have it because the idea is that these things are part of society that reinforce the way stuff is made. So you have a priest that says work hard and then in heaven, you get to go to heaven if you work really, really, really hard. Um, or <laughs> um, <laughs> you, <laughs> um, or you have uh, the economics department at certain Ivy Leagues that say, hey, if you have austerity and let like all these people starve, somehow, ma- oh, and if you privatize the water, somehow magically your economy is going to get fixed. Um, uh, i'm talking about bolivia and harvard of course with the economics department um and why do you have that that is in order to reinforce the existing base or the manufacture of consent so um so if you don't so because the hegemony within the american society is extremely reactionary uh just not trying to solve the same problem. They are trying to get you to not solve that problem. If you don't have a strong theoretical background, you will not be able to even see the through the hegemony, let alone fight it.
0: Very good. Okay, okay. So if I'm coming back to this, I know you see this. I I know, I let's put this way, my eyes do not deceive me. There Mm -hmm. is a huge amount of reactionary lefties out there that if you didn't know better, if they didn't break out their red card, you'd swear they were a brown card. You would swear that they were part of that Weimar moment. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And I, I'm telling you right now, I'm seeing people that carry the communist word around, and I watch their behavior, and I say, I don't know about all that. I'm kind of thinking the F word fits here. I'm yeah, it's kind of a little bit more fash than Very. calm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, so this this idea here, in my opinion, and this is kind of where I'm at with this, when you bring up the role of history and you bring up the role of theory and you talk about you can't fix a problem if you don't understand it, right? When I see people revert to fascism, thinking that somehow or another that is the epitome of being woke, they're they're now so woke they can embrace fascism, right? I see that and I say to myself, you don't know theory. If you did, you wouldn't do this. Now I do understand the working class Making up the ninety-nine percent, so to speak, if we want to look at it from most a state perspective.
1: class actually of the problems solve to solve real their real life. So they're actually pretty, they, they, of of them naturally of the skill of the materialism. It's the it's the, uh, the you know, the you talking the am talking the the Brooklyn boys or the um, upper <laughs> middle the that need that skill. <laughs> <laughs> of <Okay.
0: laughs> so but with within that space though right you can see that a lot of people especially a lot of our friends in the alternative media world okay That put stuff out there and you see them overly sympathizing with the brown shirt black shirt type deal i wonder if they would be so quick to do that if they had theory inside of them, if they understood what they're really fighting for, that it's not good enough just to be anti-establishment, that there is a whole, because like, okay, so if you burn it all down, history shows us after Rome, we lost literacy for a long time. We became warlords once again. We went from organized to absolute disorganized. We went into the plague there's a lot of things that happen
1: burn it down after you you get socialism they're gonna sanction you and you won't have new material so you're gonna you're screwed
0: (laughs) (laughs) you get my point that there's no in my opinion without having that understanding of history these people are 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 in their minds envisioning that all you have to be to be a lefty is be anti-establishment and that simply isn't true a nihilism can come in a fascist face just the same way. Can you talk about that for a second?
1: Oh yeah, um, I mean, like, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. A lot of these people, <laughs> a lot of it is based on a deep misunderstanding of the me- mechanic- mechanics of the world. So for example, uh, I know one person kept on insisting to me, that the wait, what was it that, um, cold war propaganda, that it was only cold war propaganda that stopped the American workers from like being communist and, uh, something like that. And then I had to like ask him, so why did they, why didn't cold war, why wasn't the cold war propaganda, enough in Indonesia? Why did they have to murder 3 million people enough so that the rivers turned red with blood? What was the difference? Um, okay, so oh, no, I know why. Okay. 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 I, I was saying that this is just the truth um, of how imperialism works. I was saying that yes, though, work, the average worker in the US is has a different life than somebody in the third world country. And this person kept on insisting that if, like, if I called call like that, they're not privileged and that they were just brainwashed by cold war propaganda. And I personally think having CBS evening news translated into Indonesian, it's much cheaper than having like the army go kill 3 million people. But <laughs> why didn't it work? Because cold war propaganda only worked because of the material reality that was constructed post world war II. Like they had the nice little suburbs and the wages went up a little bit. I mean, it didn't matter that you were looting from Indonesia or like having child slaves mine your cobalt, whatever you needed back then, you got cheap goods. And because the life style like because the reality, you as an American worker kind of matched the propaganda. And you go, about how communism being evil and blah blah blah, and all these victims and oppression, it was it worked. If you went to an in, in, in illiterate farmer in Indonesia and told him like, "Oh, if you work hard, you're gonna be rich one day," he's he that propaganda he'll just say, like de- uh, "Get the bleep out." Um. <laughs> so then, the, so but then, what you then realize is that the reason why um, the bourgeoisie have created a world where the American worker is a little bit, uh, has a different lifestyle um, is because they need you for like one task and that is the military. And it was funny because um, one of my favorite authors, Douglas Valentine, he's written a lot about the CIA and I said, like so I said, somebody had said, like less, to, like less than one point something percent of Americans are in the military. And I said, the, the these one point point one whatever number is what keeps capitalism alive. Um, what you don't realize is that uh, you don't, if you're in America, you uh, you you capitalism is actually super hard to keep alive all over the world you just don't realize it that's why the u.s military bases in korea and then they mind um what do you call it the dmz you have to have the u.s military bases everywhere uh doing coups and wars and literally in order for capitalism to collapse in most places in the world all you need is just to pull back the u.s military and like for somebody in Congo, who's the child slave, it's not like, it just when you just like give them some breathing room, they literally default to something like socialism or but something that works within their culture. Right. So they are misunderstanding their task. And so they think, Oh, if I'm patriotic, um, I'm going to be able to attract more workers. Really? Uh, no, because if a worker is patriotic, he's happy with status quo. You're not gonna be able to m- attract more workers. You're gonna be a tr- attract a lot more. And you haven't. And the second thing is you probably have not spoken to an actual worker because I have, and I see very little patriotism there. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> they, so it's like, again, idealism, it's their imagination of what a typical white worker is. And, and, um yeah and so they so a lot of them are like yes that is why like they're coming up with these reasons without as um as though america is in like a little vacuum and no we are in the world and the world is the way it is for a very specific reason i mean we've spoken about this with the monetary system the Bretton woods the IMF, the world oh, bank yeah. yeah so um a lot of the, uh, these um so you have to understand that and then you'll understand why cold war propaganda was sufficient in the us and not in indonesia
0: <laughs> well you know it's funny because you know I, I, a gentleman that i happen to follow and really have a great affection for jason hickle really I love really
1: jackson uh, I have
0: had him on my Not Jackson Hinkle, Jason hickle They're two different beasts. I don't know <laughs> Jason, Jason Hickel. He's a he's a uh he's a South African uh eco-socialist that writes on uh the need for degrowth and the fact that the global uh, north owes the global south reparations basically for oh, yeah, plunder it, and yes. and he he's a, an amazing man. And and he really broke down the whole way that the WTO, the IMF, et cetera, worked together to a privatize entire countries, literally strip them of their resources, burden them with crazy In debt, polluting water yeah well you go back to your and my interview when i was on your channel when we were doing the final stages of capitalism right imperialism right that that final chapter that we did the conclusion chapter and he talked Lenin talked about it right then and there yeah. the exact same thing a hundred freaking years ago uh, yeah. and, and here we are today it could have read like it was a current events now like it was straight out of a, a real paper which brings me to our final part of this story and that is media. You know, when I read what is to be done the first time, Lennon's great little pamphlet that came out way back in the day, I was just completely overwhelmed with his dress down of all the pop-up media. He was like, hey guys, you guys, all these pop-up media, this isn't good for us. I know you think it might be, but it ain't. And the reason is, is that you don't have the discipline to provide real socialist insights, you are straying all over the board. And this is why Kerensky even exists, basically. I mean, what went through <laughs> this whole thing. Can you talk to me about Lenin's vision for debunking propaganda and proper journalism?
1: Oh yeah, Um. so there's a, okay, uh, where to begin? Okay, so the thing is that a lot, so you have to first, um, uh, like a lot of different workers are going through a lot of different s- problems. Str- he calls them struggles, problems, whatever. Um, it might seem separate to you like, oh, you don't have a minimum wage, but you guys can't get to the, uh, you don't have a bus stop here and your water is on fire. But then when you examine it deeper and deeper, you'll realize that oh the reason why your water is on fire is because the company you work for is dumping whatever crap that makes water catch on fire and so (laughs) then you realize that oh you guys have and so he wants you to look at problems that workers have that are separate and knit them together so they see the common um common understanding if that makes sense sure Yes. yeah so he talks about literally knitting together the struggles and that's what he means um so it has to so the, and there has to be some local stuff and then it, and then you can't of course like and it has to have global like everything that's going on in the world it's also affecting the worker so you and it has to be done from a worker's point of view um i actually have some amazing uh old periodicals of uh um from like America, way back in the night when we had uh, every union had its own um, newspaper, that was when you got the what, what's that golden? Age? No, no what, 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 was, new, new, what was it? New Deal. Um, but I'll share with you the one that uh, do you want the I'll give you the Ohio Socialist it's adorable. I'm just sharing the link <laughs> but um, feel free to look through it later. Um, and share it with people in the uh, chat or whatever. But they did that. Um, they had this like cute little Patreon too about the worker, like where you could like... Uh, and Lennon also said that with the newspaper, the idea is that you get like that hit the, div- the money, he called it, uh, oh, money they use were kopecks. He said like, inst- like, you need to have like a wide readership. So you need to have millions of people paying 50 copy X each for your newspaper. And that is how you get the wide distribution. And, you know, you have a big network. And so his idea was to have like such a newspaper and the mere, he felt like the, the mere way of like being able to get back then the logistics of getting the newspaper to the worker's hand itself showed that you had a network and you could then work on collective action together as a group. So that was his idea. So the newspaper was supposed to be like the organizer. Um, And um, so like, I I mean, some of the ways they got the newspaper, it was illegal by the way, is heroic. (laughs) Like they had something where they had a, they got a printing plant in Alexandria, Egypt, and then they smuggled it through the Ottoman Empire, through Persia, into Azerbaijan, where they then spread it. Another one is that they had like a really there was this yacht with a lot of sympathetic cooks. The cooks agreed to smuggle uh, Iskra the newspaper. So what they did is they wrapped it in some kind of um, tarp or maybe, and then they put it like uh, like in, in in the shore of Saint Petersburg. And fishermen literally fished out these newspapers and uh, distributed it so i mean we don't have that pro oh and we also don't have the problem of illiteracy like 81 percent could not read but Mm. yeah so but unfortunately with the digital age i don't think the mere distribution of newspapers means much other than we all have good information and we all know how to think which is absolutely necessary i mean Every time I go through a New, York, like I, I, uh, New York Times article, I just like huff and puff and I can't really read it without blowing a, a vein or oh my or a mad. <laughs> out. I, I I haven't been able to do it. like I will like I can't watch a Matt segment without blowing. She's all it's like they're, they're, like she'll sometimes give you information, but then she's just uh, remember, she's just a script reader. So she doesn't even know half the information that she's not supposed, like not giving you, and um, and I mean, I mean, let me give you an example of how. The, okay, okay, they found a mass grave, uh, a mass grave in Poland. Is that a good, a good or bad? Well, I think it depends. If it's a mass grave of Nazis, you'd be like, yeah. But if it's a mass grave of people, you'd be like. Oh my god, it's horrible! But if you they just like give you don't give you the context, you don't know how oh, what it is, right?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Uh, oh yeah. Um. New York Times has done this. Uh. uh there's a really funny, funny one where they were like they found a mass grave in Yugoslavia, and it was a mass grave of Nazis. <laughs> and I'm like, who cares? So <laughs> I, I, I I tweeted out this because it was just funny. Um, the way New York Times did it, and uh, I mean any article of uh, about, oh, my favorite one with Bolivia, where they were like, Evo Morales was propped up by the growing economy and low unemployment rate And I'm like, that sounds like he's was really good at his job. And so that's why people wanted more of him. <laughs> I'm gonna find it. They it literally, literally say he was propped up by the high uh, rising Wages and low unemployment, or something like that. And it's like that.
0: Well, it not... sounds awful. It
1: sounds absolutely <laughs> awful. Yeah, that's not propping up. That is people. Democr- and so, you you just um. What you have to remember is that in order to get hired in New York Times, you have to be the kind of person that never uh goes beyond the boundaries. You're not curious. You don't wonder. Um, you're very uncurious. And so. The, that's it's why just,
0: paul krugman writes there
1: yes and um and what's his face but, but, but bed bug brett bug brett is he still right right it right really bad article oh, Op-ed, the op-ed has to be banned i'm sorry it's just horrible <laughs> i would ban the op-ed of i don't know. after the revolution we're definitely banning op-eds because oh my god what's the point of having these like boomers write about david brooks is another bad oh
0: god oh my god he wrote something horrible the other day i yeah keep going yeah like i remember once he
1: wrote about how he was met a high school friend who was over who he took to a sandwich shop and she was overwhelmed by the sandwiches and i'm like what are you talking about
0: (laughs) (laughs) well Um, let me ask you like as we as we morph into yet again another political theater season
1: uh we should expect to see the democrats we we should uh, not be on their schedule
0: no well bingo but you understand though that sadly because of the nature of propaganda and the power of the big five mass media propaganda outlets the establishment outlets we're we are really running against the one I mean, we're like salmon swimming upstream i mean it, mm-hmm. it is really really and there's lots of grizzlies putting their hands in there trying to snatch us as we're going up the stream how would you advise uh, people who are trying to be good lefties who are trying to learn theory as they watch the political theater unfold? What advice would you give to them so that they can discern better?
1: Don't watch the political theater is the first advice. I would say that <laughs> if you are if you are a journalist, um we should be like, doing research and don't try to cover something on time but try to do an extensive coverage rania she does a great job of that she's not like on their clock she's like watch all of her she she's done great things on lebanon and syria and now ethiopia she so um uh i would say like for me um my I, i i i'm just like I think I'm pretty good at spotting color evolution. So that's what I usually focus on as uh, but but I'm uh, oh God. I'm just gonna go out and say it. It doesn't really like I don't know how to explain it, but like <laughs> I think I know what you guys Congress say. and the Senate is all like that doesn't matter, like because nothing means anything i don't know how to explain like you can't it's
0: it's it's theater it's
1: pure yeah (laughs) so you have to kind of look underneath the matrix so don't care what like if you just remember nothing useful happens in the imperial core um you'll understand not to follow the minutia of whether or not uh, uh oh the build back better part oh my god a lot of people did not realize it, but it was like a new cold war with China um, for their BR brick and what do you call it? belt and road or brick and uh, belt and road initiative. So um, I'm not saying that it like they, they had, it had some good provisions, but there was another agenda for the build back better, w- which was to try to be like it try to and uh, try to like actually stop like, people in Asia and Africa from actually addressing climate change with greener infrastructure, whatever. Uh, Because um, of uh, yeah, and so like, even that, like, um, I noticed a lot of lefty reporters, I'm not um, a certain um, Sirota uh, was very, um, involved in the minutia. And I'm just like, and then he gets really, his outrage is genuine. He gets very outraged about the Democratic Party, I think like the Democratic Party, but well, we've been through this before. This is how they'll always act like the scorpion and the frog. And then this scorpion says, if guys bite you, we're both gonna die. And then the scorpion behaves like the scorpion, like that is the Democratic Party
0: so but, you know i think i think with sirota the the one thing i love sir you want him to get it don't you he's so smart on so many things and you want him to cross over and realize the dems blow monkey chunks but <laughs> it, it, we just can't quite get him there but yes keep it's, going it's keep break. going
1: it's heartbreaking i'm like dude just uh, yeah and he's a and, and it he, he he's really distressed about this i can see this but it's like oh um <laughs> I, I yeah, so I guess my thing is that um I, I, Americans should okay. So if we are if there's a like like okay, of the things that of the crap that they're doing here in America is like this. Under the world it's like oh my god, it's horrific. Like I can't tell you the like it is horrific. And as long so I would have to say that it's not like a lot of people were tweeting out last week, they were tweeting, out it's not okay. It's not it's 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 okay not to have an opinion in on Kazakhstan. It's like, no, because he, he because he, it's mostly Bill Clinton that kind of went in privatized everything looted everything, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, No, it's not okay, because your government is doing all this like horrible is doing a coup there. So it's not okay not to have a opinion, you need to be more informed. And I really think that if you start follow uh, just actually um, start following world affairs a little bit more, you will see the hand of capitalism and all the things that's going on. And you will see eventually it'll come back here locally, but you will understand it in a more in a different way. And then when you see that happening locally, you're better able to be informed. And I don't know, as for organizing, I think we just need to have people being able to be like, I honestly can't, I I get horrified of, of the lack of basic literacy as in you know how to read but you don't know you don't understand these words that have meaning
0: comprehend
1: yeah 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 like like new york times can like literally new york times can literally like say i don't know something horrific like oh yeah they're dumping like something down on like oh they're dumping toxic acid down some river but they won't say that they'll be like i you know they evacuate the uh excess capacity of the factory through dispersing (laughs) the chemical whatever toxic acid like you know what i mean you need to be able to see that and then realize oh they're dumping toxic acid down a a river or whatever um and that kind of critical reading i don't uh, i just don't i I don't know i I just just haven't been able to get to enough people to see enough people even doing that and another thing is that because Oh, second, there is no follow-up. Uh, okay, I don't know if you guys remember, about three years ago, AOC and Ted Cruz both promised to get together to do a bill that banned lobbyists from having a job, from con- congressional members from having a job in lobbying. Did it happen? No, nope. there was no follow-up. No, there was no, If like, there's no, so a lot of times like the politicians will say really nice things, And then people are just like happy that it allegedly happened but then when you read the fine print none of it happened and there's no follow-up and so i i guess i don't know i don't know what feel free to ask me any other i don't know what to say
0: well I, i tell you what at the end of the day i see the left right now in a real crossing point a real juxtaposition of Seeing electoral politics as a means of an opportunity, maybe to educate people about socialist ideals. But I think people begging and pleading and praying that we'll get the right progressive in office or praying that we'll get the right Democrat in there, I think history has shown us. And this is what this whole discussion has been yeah, about. Yeah, check
1: out the Ohio Socialist from 1903 that I just sent you, and they will explain why. You won't ever get the right Democrat. Right.
0: Um, look, <laughs> we're, we're, we're at the end here because of time constraints. So Esha, I just want to give you an opportunity to tell everyone where they can find more of your work and uh, let them know what you're doing.
1: Okay. Um, you can go to historically.substack.com. We have once a week podcast episode, and then we have an article once a week of, about a topic in history. Um, we can uh, and then check out our youtube channel where we have late nights with lennon saturday at 10 p.m where we read through some of the theory um and i want to i mean there are some few other projects i'd like to be involved but, but but we need more paid subscribers so if you can become a paid subscriber um i've been i guess i i'm trying to um, uh, so, uh, so I don't know how to, uh, okay. My ultimate dream is to write a book about the, like a people's history of the USSR. Um, but the thing is that, uh, um, uh, everything, <laughs> like it's hard to debunk the the amount of wrong <laughs> that exists around you. <laughs> it. It's like so wrong, like you just, it just like overwhelms you. Um, but I am learning Russian for that. Um, so hopefully uh-huh. we'll be da ya is a chayu rusky I hope my Russian listen is to you. Watching. I hope he's not watching. because he'll probably think I'll, I'll pronounce something wrong. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> okay. And then um yeah, th- that's about it. Um I wanna also we would do uh some people uh, there's a certain word a, uh we'll call it the c word um if you know what i mean um it rhymes with omsky (laughs) he's been like coming to too many interviews and saying really wrong things so i i i feel like we need to do like a deconstruction of that certain person (laughs) you know what i'm talking about right
0: i do i do all right well listen folks i want to thank you esha for joining me today this has been a blast as always i hope i can have you back on soon because Absolutely. i love talking with you all right well look folks we're out of here man i got to get back to work that's these lunch hour deals man it's fun they're short they're quick but this was great and i really appreciate it. have a great day everybody i'm steve Grummine, the rogue scholar we're out of here The Rogue Scholar is a production of Real Progressives. If you would like to support our work, please visit patreon.com slash realprogressives.